listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey everyone, welcome back to their podcast. So today I got a couple in the studio. They've had a very uh, great investing career here in Denver. I want to talk about one of their projects here where they built an ADU at their house in Sloan's Lake. So I got Kevin and Micah with me. How's it going, guys? Doing well, Chris. How about you? And I forgot to ask you this. Do you want to share your last names on the podcast and contact details? I I use your first names to, to be safe and by default. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. So Kevin and Micah Healy. Yep. It's out there. Yes. Now it's out there for everyone in Denver to hear. Going to be much more relevant for Micah than myself, but yeah. Yes. That's right. Google away. Um, all right. So before we jump into uh, where you build this ADU, because I know that's this going to be a great case study because, you know, you guys actually built the ADU, which a lot of people want to do, uh, but a lot of people don't, go, don't get through the process and you guys can share the pros and cons and their experiences of it. Uh, but kind of give us some background, just your your history, because when we first got connected a couple of years ago, you guys were, I remember you already had some out-of-state rentals, you were doing some fix and flips, you guys were doing doing a handful of things while raising kids, working full-time careers, you were, you were busy making things happen. So where did this start from? Gosh, I guess in 2007 is when we first met. <laughs> that's, the, that's the real start but, uh, us, yeah. <laughs> Skipping forward, Kevin um, was in a position to buy in 2009 in the Baker neighborhood here in Denver, which was a a short sale, and the timing was was pretty lucky for us. Um, As far as real estate goes, that's kind of where we got our start. We lived in that house for six years or so uh, until we had our first daughter, and after a few months of watching HGTV, realized that, hey, we can rent this place out and go move across the, the highway into the highlands. And so that's what we did. Yeah. Okay. So you just turned that, just moved out, turned to a rental? Yep. Just, uh, it was supposed to be one lease, one nice, clean, neat thing. It ended up being by the room, which worked out well. We had really good tenants. Um, so worked out well financially. And when did you move out of this turn, turn to a rental? That was in 15. Okay, mm-hmm. so that was the... The first rental property, yep. right? Yep. And then you did that. You watched HGTV. What'd you guys do next? Well, so to, <laughs> just to clarify that piece, uh, Micah did while she was both pregnant and then at home on maternity leave. And that's when things really, really got going. But that's not entirely true because we had renovated two bathrooms there while. Well, while and we had always had so roommates started, too. So we had. Kind of house hacked, but yeah, we really did house hack that one, uh, yeah. kind of from the get go. But that is a property that Micah found. Uh, sh- she was not an agent then, mm-hmm. uh, and we were both working full time. Um, but that was kind of the first look- looking back, that was the first real uh clue that this was going to be in our future. Um, she was pretty, uh, pretty solid at finding a great deal, which short, short sale that did take. Almost ten months to close. Sounds about got, right. But we got there, and it worked out on the on the back end. So when we when we moved out of there, we found a property um, in West Highlands, and on paper, it 
met all of our criteria. Um, fast forwarding a little bit, we hated the house, which kind of led us to um, the project that we're going to talk about today. Um, but we, where was I going with that? At about the three-year mark after renting out the first house, we realized that, hey, there's an opportunity here for us to um, sell this property and take the gains tax-free. And so that's really what kind of started our investing career. We've got a, a nice chunk of change that we were able to to use to um, invest out of state and in state. What was the plan when you got that chunk of change? What was the plan? Buy out-of-state rentals and <laughs> turn it into a real estate empire. Yeah, to recycle it as much as possible and, you know, burr. As, uh, it, as yeah. many as we possibly could, and we, we quickly burned through that nice <laughs> chunk of change after acquiring a handful of properties, and I guess that was 2018 and 19 is yeah. when we built the majority of our portfolio. Okay. And you guys own out-of-state in Ohio, right? Yeah. Yep. Columbus. Oh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay, so you are, is that was that pretty much just long-distance straight investing, or, or were you also burring out there? They were value add. Um, they we bought them with tenants in place, which um, the quality of tenant that we inherited was not one that we we, we kept. So, um, being as diplomatic as I possibly can, but yeah, that's been it's it's our best performing property, but it's also our our biggest headache. Okay, and then in Denver, what was the strategy in Denver? A lot of house hacking, kind of on accident to start, um, and and then it evolved. Um, I think so. We bought duplexes in Columbus, and we saw the performance of those. Um, and being avid listeners of the show, lots of great tips and tricks. One of them is what's the what's the better use for the property, right? What's the highest and best? And so we looked for properties that we could actually turn into duplexes. So single families, full basements, extra, you yeah. know, uh, entrance. And we did, we've done three, four, three. Done three of those. Have you actually added exterior entrances? No. Not yet. Okay. Because every time I looked at it, just it's way too expensive. Yeah. Is that what you guys run into as well? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I we mean, egress window, $4,000. Yeah. I think that is more like 10. Yeah. Yeah, that, of course, we were getting like Roseman 10 to 15. Side. I've yet to meet anyone that actually done it. So I was curious if you guys had done it. Okay. No. Not yet? No, we've got, um, you know, some of the egress doors are better than others. But as long as it has a private interest, uh, entrance, that's just one of our pieces of criteria that we look for Okay, on so, the buy side. Yeah, it might be a ground level or a basement level. Entrance, yeah. So. All right. So then the house in Sloan's Lake where we built the ADU, which we're going to really dig in the details on here. This was one of your house hacks, right? It was. Okay, so give us a second. Like, when did you buy it? What part of town was it in? What was the house like? What are those details? Yep. So, um, like I said, this was the uh, eventually the third house. It was in walking distance of the second. We came across it going on walks with the dogs and the kids. Um, we saw that the neighboring house had basically had an ADU in the back. It had a living space over a garage. Uh, which kind of sparked the initial idea. Um, looked into it. Um, obviously, got got the house under contract. Uh, it was a five-two uh, with two um, non-conforming beds in the basement. Uh, no garage. Just a really long, skinny, traditional Denver lot. Okay. Um, and the the house set right up 
towards the road. So the, the back of the lot was, was sizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal was just do what our neighbor had done and build a garage <laughs> with, you know, two bed, one bath above it. So before you closed on it, you guys priced out the garage in the ADU? We did some real rough, you know, uh, cocktail napkin math. Uh, oh, what were these numbers? Basically a Google thing, you know, square foot of uh, new construction in Denver, you know, cost per square foot and probably I think ended up using like 175, which is not correct at all. Yeah, we were we were a little off. Um, were you optimistic? Always, always. <laughs> yes. Happy years, I call them. And so when did you uh, when did you buy this property? Um, 17. October 17th, right here. No. Okay. Sorry, October. What's March? Something like that. March. Okay, so it was early 2017. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it was, I mean, hot market back then. Um, so bought it, lived in it. Was there any value add while you lived on the main house? Yeah, and before we actually even moved in, uh, we redid the kitchen. Yep. Then, um, slowly over time, we kind of chipped away at the bathrooms. I think we did the bathroom pretty quickly. What we loved about the house is upstairs, um, the the primary bedroom up there was like 400 square feet. And so there was opportunity to add a large walk-in closet and a bathroom. And so ultimately, we did add another bathroom there. And then we ended up... Um, pretty much gutting the basement and reconfiguring. There was kind of like a long skinny hallway and two bedrooms and we wanted like another separate living space. Okay. And we did that in a hurry for um, an au pair that we were having in our home for a year before the, our second child was born. So. And was it like a, a true separate living space? Like a kitchenette down there and no. everything? Okay. No. Just like a bedroom, bath, living room? Yeah. Not even a bath, just laundry. Could have done okay. a bath. Separate uh, family room. Separate family room, yeah. Okay, cool. And then when did you start the process of building out uh, the, the start in the process they do on here? When it go from cocktail napkin to whatever the next step was? I think we started it within, a, I mean, we we really kind of started it before we closed. Okay. As in some of the legwork. And then, uh, yeah, I'll let you. I think it was probably summer of 17, we started to talk to lenders and builders. We needed to get the money in order first. Um, that was a bit of a, a, a challenge and I think took several several months and several attempts. We ended up um, getting all the way through with an appraisal um, to refi into a construction loan with one of the lenders and ultimately we couldn't get it to appraise. Um, the One of the tricky things at the time for ADUs is that there weren't a lot of comps. Mm-hmm. I think if people go through the pain building it, they're not selling them right away. Um, and so we couldn't get it to appraise to cover the construction costs. So we had to go back to the drawing board and find a different lender. Can you walk us through like some more specifics on them? Because this is still an issue today that people have. I don't think it's gotten a little bit better, but same thing. So you bought this place with a like a five percent down conventional. Yeah. Or, okay, so great owner rock, five percent down conventional. Yep. And you bought it for what around five fifty nine. Five fifty nine. Yeah. And then what was the the lending option you're looking for with this first lender that that didn't work out with? Like what was the the breakdown of that? 
I don't remember entirely because it was about three years ago, but I think that it was just a straight construction loan. I don't know if it was a single close, meaning that we would have had to refinance out of the construction loan. So another set of closing costs into a permanent product after that, when the construction was complete. Um, the, I mean, I think that the rates were probably pretty competitive. They are a little bit higher when you're doing construction lending. Was it like five? Yeah, five and a quarter, five and a half, somewhere like that. Okay. Um, But ultimately, that didn't work out with the first one. Um, With the second construction lender, they did a single close. um, And so it was interest only for the construction period, which was supposed to be 12 months. Didn't work out that way. But um, luckily, we were able to work out some exceptions. And then um, after that, they had an option to transition into a permanent product, which ended up being like a 10-1 arm, I think is what we had. And it was a pretty competitive rate. Um, I don't know if I have those details here, but um, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but we ended up refinancing out of that again in order to realize some of the equity that we had put in the home once the ADU was finally done you know, a year and a half later or whatever it ended up being. Okay, so you were able to either construct use a construction loan to fund the full cost of the ADU? Ultimately, yes. Wow, okay. Yeah. There was some uh, shuffling around to speed things up, uh, you know, have a little more control, but yeah, ultimately that covered it. 100% of our contingency budget was used. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's talk about the construction side, because I'm assuming while you're you're talking lending, you're probably talking to an architect or a, a builder. What was that process like? Oh Brutal. boy. Brutal. Yeah. We got sold. Or on. have you like packed these memories away into We're, a, a deep repressed. corner of your, okay. They're repressed. Your facial expressions when I asked that question, you both, uh, a little bit of a sigh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, um, this was our first major construction project. We had handled lots of little remodels within the four corners of a home, but nothing, you know, no ground up development. And so the idea of working with a firm that could handle it, you know, from, all of the design, the plans, everything with the city, um, the, the full design build process was really attractive. Um, ultimately, the the organization that we worked with, it didn't work out. We had to kind of fire them in the 11th hour, and we brought on another GC that you actually referred us to to kind of um, get us across the finish line. Uh, the first firm did ultimately end up help us getting our, our permits, but that was all sorts of painful as well. We had um, two reviews with the the city. On the third one, they said, oh, wait, you want to do a garage with an ADU on top? You, you can't do that. There's um, bulk, plan issues. bulk plan issues. And we're like, but, but you said the last two times that that wasn't an issue. And so we had to change our plans completely and separate the garage from the ADU and do two separate structures on the back oh. of the house instead of stacking them. And that, I would assume, probably increased the price to do two separate structures? Um, lucky for us, the the GC that you referred us to, we said what our budget was, and he found a way. Oh, cool. Yeah. So what was... Uh, what was the initial work order with the first GC, just as far as like timeline and rough budget, if you can recall or, or if you want to share as well? Yeah, um, I, th- I know that it was, we, they were saying 12 months, but it was more like, you know, nine to 12 months, thinking we can squeeze it in sooner, um, broken down by like a 
two or three month revision and then, you know, five or six months of, or of, of permitting and then five or six months of construction. Um, I'll jump back just a, just a hair because I don't recall the budget. But uh, the exact amount, it was around two. It was, around I two. think it was like 178. I don't know why. That's, that's true. And because we ended up beating them up, uh, trying to beat them up back and forth on contracts because they had like $4,000 for a water heater and like $2,000 for a dishwasher. Hmm. Right. And in, in in, basically in the estimate. And so we said, well, we're not going to do that. So we kind of ended up whittling down in hindsight something that we would have probably taken a different approach to off of the bat, knowing that. Uh, you know, as with all businesses, contractors have lost leaders, you know, things that aren't always exactly net to net with the exact margin that they plan to make. The real gymnastics, though, on all of this was aligning the the, the financing product and the and the contractor. That's a good that, point. that was the really difficult thing. Like, for example, on the financing, plenty of construction loans out there, but they weren't used to doing it where there was already an existing structure on the property. So then we got into, you know, back and forth on how does it, how do we appraise? How do we value? Not to mention like the specifics of valuing an ADU that's not there or uh, you know, where there aren't any comps uh, and then getting the contractor to actually work well with the lender. So do not be the first person to put a lender and a contractor in touch and have them oh, really? work together. Make sure that they've worked together in the past and know the ends of the Just outs. like the draw process or what was so bad about it? Or just, that, just everything, huh? That was largely largely it but then it was the scheduling it was coordinating yeah. of funds and payouts and i think before we got to any of that though a lot of the um a lot of the challenge was that the clock starts on the interest only payments when you close on that loan we were still in the process of getting our permits and so all the delays with the city all of the drama with the the builder we were still paying interest only payments which at the time was like great because it was a low payment but not helping us and reducing any uh, principal balances. Um, and as I mentioned before, we had in theory 12 months to complete our construction. And so the, I think that was um, part of the issue is that the, the bank's process did not align with the reality of constructing an ADU in Denver. Right. Just, yeah. there's quite a delay there. Okay. So how kind of roughly like when you, how long did the, the permitting process take? Do you remember? I mean, just rough, like it, number of it, months. It was over 18 months because just for the permitting process. The well, we no, cause that includes the dime, but we closed in February on that loan. Yeah. And we went all the way through to the following February. And then we got the extension to like July. So that went from 12 to 18. But then we blew that and we didn't actually finish it and refi back out until the following February. So that was essentially a 24 month, 24 months, right? Yeah. I, that's on the lending side though, too. Yeah, I think yeah. just with the permitting process, yeah. it was probably, we finally got our permits in the summer. I think it was the fall, like October, November is when we submitted with the old builder. And it wasn't until the new builder came in in June, July timeframe, because we had just met you in May of 19. Um, so it was a good six months with the city plus. Okay. Yeah. And when did you start breaking ground? Um, July of 19. Okay. Okay, so you you were pretty much in this for I mean that was about what 
18 months or so, yeah. a year and a half of you guys, okay, get into it, you broke ground. Yep. And then what uh, What made you switch contractors? The, <laughs> I think the final straw was that the, the project manager, who was also the, um, he was a draftsman that did the plans, he scheduled a, a drop for, the trusses for the roof right on the excavation site. And we um, needed to dig a big hole there and had nowhere to put these big trusses on our very narrow, skinny lot. And so it was just a lack of, of confidence. We couldn't get the permits pulled. like, And that was just like a, what are you thinking? Were you spiking the deal? Is that what it's called? They were spiking the job, but that... What does spiking the job mean? Uh, so getting far enough along before, so what it immediately followed was a $18,000 change order. So a, a 10% plus change order immediately followed. It came the day or the day after the trusses were dropped smack dab in the middle of, of the site where the, where the foundation was go. So spike the jet means, sorry, trains left the station. We're, we're, oh. we're doing this now. You guys are kind of pot committed. Trusses are here. You ordered those. That's sunk cost. Uh, you want us to move them? We need this change order done before we can get going. And then we could foresee at least another, I don't remember, it was like 20 or, or more, uh, another change order because we had become a bit more savvier over the time and, and identified some other conflicts that were inevitable. And so we knew that now, now we could see that we'd be throwing good money after bad. Yeah. Okay. Either they didn't know what they were doing or they were malicious and um, trying to put us in a position we didn't want to be in. So it was time to, to part ways and did have to get an attorney involved. Yeah, we're, we're, that, that was probably the least painful uh, part of the process. Yeah. All right. So you got, got on to GC number two mm -hmm. around July 2019. Yes. And then what was, and so you got... Trust is a little job site. Um, what happened after that? It, I don't want to say that it was smooth because there was definitely some drama along the way. Um, I guess the first thing that I'll, I'll mention is that the trusses ended up staying on our lot <laughs> the entire time, just right outside of our back door. Um, we had a, a pole that was either um, Excel or Century. I think it was Excel's pole that we contracted to have removed um, at that point in time that was um and that happened like the next day right yeah yeah it yeah or or december of 2020 <laughs> a year and a half later um but that that caused some issues when we were excavating we needed to to brace the pole which excel didn't like very much but we tried to get them to remove it but it took them a while um so you know after we kind of worked through the pole issue, for the most part, it was relatively smooth from the foundation, all of the framing, a lot of the rough um, mechanical, electric, um, all of that was relatively smooth. The plumbing, we definitely had some issues. Um, we had an open trench in, I think it was August for well over a month. Basically, the, the plumber that was contracted to run the water line from um, the main back to the ADU, um, turn the water line and the, the sewer line too. 
They accidentally hit the water line on the side of the house. And with it being such a, a narrow lot, there's some um, there were some code issues that basically they weren't supposed to put the the waistline to the as close as it was to the water oh. supply line. And they didn't know what to do about it. Um, there was some other speculation that the plumber may have actually been arrested, but needless to say, he disappeared for a month and we were stuck with this huge trench from that ran the whole distance of our, our lot. That's good for little kids around the backyard, yeah, right? It was a really Dogs. safe place yeah. for them to, to play. Um, so that was probably one of the more painful pieces of it was just trying to get that resolved. Um, ultimately, we did find a very helpful exterior plumber that um, was able to get everything passed through the city by really just not over complicating it. We didn't have a permit to install a new water line, and so we stopped asking questions about it and just kind of finished things, and it worked out. Good. And actually, I want to make a side note here because this was, you said right around July 2019, you made the shift. I think it was right around when you guys closed on the other property, right? That were like a, that was probably a, a month or two before I think you closed on the other property in the Highlands where you guys popped the top. Yes. And I forgot to mention, this is a part of a two part podcast series. Part one is the ADU, part two is the popping the top on the second one. Yes. So keep that in mind the timeline because that will be the next episode after this one, everyone. <laughs> uh, so you got, they were, Doing this while you're po- starting to pop a top another property, so you guys were were juggling. We were, which which I'll add, we did with you and Preston. Yeah, calls on with you and Preston, and and I'm I may this might be a stretch, but I I think I remember sitting on the front porch of that uh, uh, deal, putting together how we were going to finish our ADU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a lot going on. Okay, so. Uh, you got past the plumber and the water and sewer issue. So that's putting you, what, close to, to fall, winter of 2019? Yeah. Then ha- from there, the finish line, what was it like? Uh, <clears throat> relatively smooth, considering everything else. Once we were once we got that behind us, um, getting all the permits closed out, there was a few hiccups um, with some of the electric stuff and where the box was located, but nothing, nothing major. Um, we were able to get everything kind of put together with the bow up on Airbnb by December of 19. Um, oh, so you finished December 19? We did. Oh, okay. Yeah, we actually were able to rent it out for like a week or two in December, which was awesome from a tax perspective because we were able to then depreciate part of our primary residence. Right over Christmas or right around because my parents were coming to visit and we thought they were going to stay in the ADU, but we were able to rent it out for a week, so they didn't. <laughs> and since the fact you rented it out turned into a rental property, which allowed for depreciation right off. Yep. Exactly. Oh, so that was a good Just, timing. Yes. So overall, okay. So before we move on to like the numbers and post night, what was the, just like the, so that took you what a year and a half to get built. Yep. Or actually, no, two years, right? A year uh, and a half to two years from planning. Yeah. Yep. And what was the? Do you guys mind sharing kind of like the the general cost of everything for like all in for building and holding costs? Or I know it might be hard to separate from since you're primary as well, but like a rough number to build out the ADU. The holding costs on the interest only loan, obviously it was interest only, and so how do you calculate the the lack of the pay down? Like yeah. Said, but um, that helped in one sense, hurt in the other. Because because we. 
we weren't paying principal, we were paying interest, but the interest was lower. It was, you know, 18 months plus. So the build costs were, um, it was a, it was right around 200 is ultimately what, what that took. And then I, I want to say that we were pretty close to 30 for holding costs, like okay. between, um, how long it took and considering that the clock started right when we closed. So based on everything you're, you're saying, I thought it was going to be a lot higher than that. So that doesn't sound, I know it's a lot of money, but it doesn't sound as high as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah. So the finished product was you end up having a, a detached garage and a detached ADU. Yep. Yeah. How big was the garage or how big is the garage? It's 23 by 20 or 22 by 23. Yeah. So is that a two car garage? Two it does. Okay. Two yeah. car garage. Yeah. ADU is just, I mean, how many feet away from it? Uh, two, three, three, feet. Three, three feet. feet. Yeah. Okay. How big is the ADU? Like wh- 690 square feet. Um, I don't remember the exact dimensions of it, but so one, one or two, one, two, one. Okay. We, Scott, that was critical is that we needed to keep it as a, a two, one in order to justify the numbers on, on the back end. So, okay. And on the back end, more the numbers like in terms, cause you guys Airbnb it, right? Mm-hmm. We did. So like did. very well, we did. We did. Um, <laughs> so f- from January until uh, first week of September in 2020, we Airbnb'd it. And, um, you know, COVID hit in the middle of that, which was kind of scary. But overall, we grossed, um, gosh, I think it was close to 29000 Um and Over what time frame? Eight months. So okay. from January to um, to August, we had one week in September. Um so we were really happy with that. In August alone, we did about 5,500. Um, it's nice because it is completely detached from our, our primary, so we don't necessarily see people come and go. Um, didn't have any issues with noise, but yeah, not not too bad um, for the first um, eight months there. And then we ended up moving um, in August of this year into the pop top, which we'll talk about. And since uh, the Denver ordinance only allows for it to be your primary residence, we wanted to stay above board there and um, rented it out furnished to a, a couple that was able to work remotely. Um, they're from Brooklyn, so they were used to smaller spaces. And we did that for uh, $22.50 a month. Um, is that basically, is this like a month to month essentially? They signed like a three month or? Uh, they they signed, um, I gave them basically like a, a 60 day trial run and then it was to convert to a year. Um, okay. They're looking to renegotiate, but technically locked in for a year. And do you guys think you might keep that like a, a medium term rental? Because we've had a lot of clients pivot from Airbnb to medium term rentals. They've had very, very good things to say about because they've had a lot of other people from New York and San Francisco. They're yeah. hanging out here for a year. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I don't think we want to move the furniture out of there. <laughs> and so um, that that is the idea when they exit for us to um, either do a minimum stay of 30 days. So we're within the um, the Denver ordinance requirements and um but yeah, we'll see what happens. So I got a business idea for you guys on here. Uh-oh. You could turn that into an uh, an ADU uh, boot camp. Ooh. Have people come rent there, and then they pay premium to have you guys coach them and walk them through all the steps, all the mistakes you made. And all the blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Exhibit A. Yeah, and you can relive trips. it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 
you're renting out that and you're renting out the main house, right? Yeah. Okay. And so as far as like exit strategies, actually, before we went there, overall, it, building ADU, was it a win in your guys' long-term real estate investing plans? 100%. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Easy, yes. The, the pain has since subsided and... Um, you know, a lot of good things came out of it as it relates to the equity that we were able to force. Um, some of the the flexibility that we have with how we've got our loan structured against it now um, has given us some available cash. I'm using air quotes um, all within a line of credit to go and invest elsewhere, and we're we're able to to cash flow um, in Denver in Sloan's Lake. Which wow, yeah, that that's very impressive. So. On the takeout financing, uh, sounds like the appraisal went good enough. <laughs> it did. We because this is always like we you know when people kind of cross the fingers on the on the appraisal. So what was that process like? Because what you guys said earlier in the beginning was just getting the construction line where there's you know very few comps. Yeah, there are probably three more comps since exactly. you guys started the process. You know, yep. a year and a half earlier. Um, but the appraisals, we I mean, that's the main issue still. It is. We got we got lucky in the last one, or it's no, we didn't at first, but then we kind of made yeah. some luck. We had five appraisals over, you know, this two and a half year period, and there was over a hundred thousand dollars swing. Um, yeah, which is meaningful. We were able to to pay off all of the construction debt. Um, it came in at nine eighty, um, which was right where it needed to be. Um, but I, I don't think we had to request another one or we didn't have to fight it. Well, the, the, uh, as you know, there's a little subjectivity in how these are, are done. And so the, the one that came in really low that we had to redo, um, I, I can't remember which I'm going to switch them up here, but one way of doing it is looking at all a single house. So your comps are essentially the, the sum of the two square footages, or do you look at them separately? And now that skews your comps wildly. And yeah, so I yeah. can't remember which way he did it, but that resulted in a, something that was way too low. So, yeah, no. And I'm sorry, now that we're talking about it, we did have to get an exception and we had to resubmit to get a second appraisal. Um, and so you're able to do this successfully and came in a lot higher though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Um, Cause that's the, that's the coin toss when you, when you do that. Yeah. yeah. It 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 worked out. We had some pretty good arguments. Um, and very specific about what we we wanted. So obviously we kind of led, you know, told the story and let them in the well, right and direction. You, you provide the facts. I mean, if you can provide the yeah. facts and help them out, like if everyone, if you can make anyone's job easier, it, it always helps. It does. So what was the takeout financing like on here? Because I knew you said it was, it was creative that, you know, covered your cost and, and allowed you to tap the equity for investing in other properties. Yeah. So we did, um, our first loan is just a straight conventional, um, under the, ju the jumbo designation. And so that keeps our rate lower yep. so up to 575. Okay, good. Um, and then we, so that's a 30 year fix for our listeners out there. Yep. 30 year fixed loan, best rates out there. Okay. So that's the, the main loan. Yep. And that's at three, three, eight, seven, five. Um, so payment on that was about 3200 roughly. And then we ended up with a, a second HELOC. Um, we found a, a national credit union that does 90 
percent LTV uh, on primary residences. And so we, um, and there, it's a 10 year draw period with a 20 year amortization. Um, and the rate is prime plus, uh, one. So right now that's, that's typical. Yeah. Okay, great. So then you got, okay. Then you got the HELOC. Did you have to draw on the HELOC to cover some of the construction costs? Uh, not on this one. What? Yeah, Sorry, we did. On um, no, you're getting them backwards. Sorry, we did. We had to pay off 167 was for the construction costs on this one, and then which still it gave us another, I think, hundred or so to play with. Okay, so ha- some part of the HELOC went towards covering the ADU, then other part of the HELOC went towards funding other investments. Correct. All right, cool. Exit strategies going to be long term rental. You guys going to sell and cash out or to be determined the, the long-term strategies generally hold right I, I mean that that we didn't i don't think talk too much about that in the beginning but our our goal is to build a substantial portfolio that cash flow is enough for us to live com- comfortably and then obviously adds all the other benefits of real estate ownership along the way this one might not fit that. But with all the appreciation over there, there's definitely the yeah. case for, for selling it. So you're just well, going to see how it plays out? Well, yeah. We'll see if here after three years before, assuming that the capital gains exemption is still something that we might be able to take advantage of. Yeah. It may make sense to to exit at that time. Um, you know, the main house is, is older. It was built in 1906. We've done a lot of renovation on it, invested in all the majors, but it's old. So yep. We'll see. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about this? Because I got one question before I wrap up. It's not related to this property. Uh, I would just say that, you know, we mentioned, are we happy about it? Yes. And the decision I would add, you know, would we do it again? Absolutely. One of the biggest in, in looking back, I think we were just maybe even six months early because products that were available on the financing yeah. side changed. Uh, you know, uh, the zoning and the, and the permitting process got better. Um, you know, people got more familiar with it. So I, I'd say we were just, it would have been, we would have made it easier on ourselves had we waited or just had to wait. Yeah. But you didn't longer. know that at the time. No, no. Hindsight, yeah. 100% hindsight. Uh, and I think it's just continued to get better. So, yeah. and, and will, so I, I, it's, I think it's a solid strategy. And you guys had sent me some photos over here. We can put this in the blog post, right? If people want to see some photos sure. of, the, of the construction and the uh, the pole yeah. and the finished product, cool. So we'll we'll put some uh, some pictures in the show notes, all that. So my my question, to you guys, because you know we have uh, you know a lot of people investing. Um, it's a lot fewer couples that are really investing together. So what what tips do you have for just you know? investing together as a couple and just, you know, you, you guys are doing an amazing job. Like what, what advice can you give other people out there for that? I think the biggest thing that I would say is over communicate, get in the minutia mm-hmm. um, and identify clear swim lanes. So nothing that, you know, people probably haven't heard before, but I don't think that you can dig in on the details there um, too much. So you guys have like do you do you specifically like assign roles to you, Micah, and roles to you, Kevin, and then yeah. it's on a spreadsheet? Is it that that detailed? Yeah. Oh, wow. It okay. Is. And it, it could is. probably even be more detailed. I I mean, like you said, you 
couldn't be too specific about it. Especially if you have a tendency to either like, dislike, or be good at or bad at the same kind of things, which creates an opportunity for a lot of overlap. Yeah. And you really got it. Yeah. How would you say your personalities are you guys, are, are you similar or opposites? Probably more similar, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely closer along that spectrum. More similar, certainly things that we are wildly different at and have preferences on. Yeah. Okay. But can yeah. I ask who, who, like, what your main strengths or roles are, Kevin, and your and yours, Mike? Because I'm always fascinated by this. So, like, if if you guys are able to share that, the strength and weaknesses one is is tough. It's more like preference, likes and dislikes. Okay. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys, before we hit, you know, uh, recording the podcast, you were celebrating your, you closed on a flip this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that, like who, who's taking the lead? Like what's the, what's the, so the fingers didn't point to Micah. Yes. hundred percent. Well, I, I don't know that we mentioned it, but, um, in all of this, I decided to quit my W2 job and, um, focus on managing our investments and also get my real estate license. And so a lot of the, the day-to-day, um, management of things comes to me, okay. um, as it relates to the rentals that we don't currently have in property management, um, as well as finding deals. Kevin still runs the numbers on deals. He does a lot of the, any of the financing activity, um, I'm no longer as bankable as I once was no. um, until we get our, our taxes filed here. But, um, but yeah, I think financial stuff kind of sits with him and then day-to-day management. That makes sense. And we're going to, that was actually my note for the next podcast we'll talk about is going to be diving into the, the, uh, the property you did and also your transition. Cause a lot of people want to do that as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll dive into more the next podcast. Awesome guys. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Pleasure. All right. So it's Kevin, Micah and everyone, this is podcast one and listen to podcast two. Thank you.